Hello and welcome to the official podcast of Palate Exposure, featuring Alona Thompson, a podcast for those seeking the ultimate in wine, food, and travel. Each week, she interviews winemakers, chefs, celebrities, and a variety of guests that shape the way we enjoy life. Yeah, so Christopher, you've crafted, you know, I don't know, millions of cocktails, I guess, cumulatively, but it starts with you being inspired first of all, by a certain set of ingredients that's in front of you at that moment. And also the structure that you bring to it, which is what does a balanced cocktail make? How does that work? Tell us a little bit about the moving parts and how it all comes together. Um, the very first balance I paid attention to, so a really well, uh, well-built cocktail has a number of uh, characteristics. The main characteristic that was always big to me was balance, mm-hmm. right? And that's just like saying I like weather, right? Or whatever, I like balance. But like, there are minutia balances and the main balance I listen to or pay attention to or prioritize in creating that is acid and sugar. Acid and sugar, got it. That's, that's just the first one, right? That's obviously ingredient driven cocktail. That's not a spirit driven cocktail. Um, Spirit driven cocktail, um, then it's viscosity and dryness. Viscosity and dryness. Right. So acid and sugar in an ingredient driven cocktail is a priority for me. And then dryness uh, and uh, richness in a spirit driven cocktail is important to me. Right. So yeah, those 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 are the main things that I pay attention to. On top of that, we begin layering, we begin layering with spice, we begin layering with uh, suggestions like I might have a cocktail that I think might be a little bit rich. I'll just throw one torn mint leaf in there, right? It doesn't mean that, like, it's going to taste minty. It just means it's going to lighten everybody up at the party. You know what I mean? Um, So suggestions to me are another example of restraint, right? The more you restrain something, the more you're in control of something. The more you're in control of something, uh, you control the duration of its extent in the cocktail. And that's what allows cocktails to become engaging while you're hanging out. For me, anyways, that's what I try to achieve. So because of the COVID situation, a lot of bars have turned to putting their creations in the jar and having it available for takeout. Um, right, right. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. What are your thoughts on this long-term? Would that equate to the difference between a freshly prepared meal and something that comes in a box that you have to reheat? Is there a lot of downside to that? Do you feel that it has legs, it has future? What are your thoughts? Um, I have a lot of thoughts when it comes to COVID. Uh, rather, the, the hospitality industry existing post-COVID. Yes. First thing I'm thinking of is, you know, you said, uh, wait, has this changed things forever? Most likely. But on top of that, I thought it would be interesting, and I've been doing this late night, like at 2 in the morning by myself when I fall down the YouTube rabbit hole, is uh, paying attention to see how people recovered after the Spanish flu. Right? So, like, now, the population density is different. Um, uh, you know, uh, how we interact is different. You know what I mean? Um, uh, all, there, there are numerous factors that are different. But, but I do want to see what succeeded, and I want to see why. So I'm studying that stuff right now, and I'm checking that out. But in short, yeah, I think I have ideas that I think could be cool. You know, I don't know if I just share them, maybe. Uh, I think it'd be cooler, like, You've been to Italy and Spain or no? Right. And you understand that that in Japan actually has a version of that too, but like 
they have the little like you walk up coffee bars you have your espresso a little biscotti perhaps or whatever and then you keep going yeah so i think that'd be a cool way for cocktails we just minimize the volume and the amount of cocktails and just like here's your aperitivo stand keep moving down the thing and you create like a route and then it's like right and i think that would be cool i mean believe me like that is a big secret i just share with you but have it and listen to me it'd be cool if you just create like if somebody hosted like um and so yeah i think that uh creating like a really cool route of small rather less voluminous cocktails would be a really cool idea um you know keep it moving you know um it can change it can literally change the geographic landscape of the city uh, possibly you know what i mean um but these are big ideas you know um what else um do you feel yeah, that? I think I, I don't think that to go. I I don't. Two things I think about when I think about to go cocktails and cocktails you can make at home. Mm-hmm. The first thing I think about is quality of ingredients, uh-huh. and then the second thing I think about is waste. Like, look at all this packaging. Like the reason, one of the reasons that I didn't do to go cocktails with Pico was like I didn't find a sustainable vessel. It's like bottles, glass, plastic, plastic. You know, I'm like, dude. People are already throwing gloves on the ground. Like, if you give them a backpack cocktail, they're just going to put a straw in it, crush it, and then throw it on the ground. Like, waste is really big on my mind. You know what I mean? Like, how much waste are we creating by all this to-go stuff? You know what I mean? So, um, those are two things I think about. Uh, Maintaining the quality of ingredients and then the uh, amount of waste we're creating. Um, So, those, those are two deterrents for me personally. How do you feel about barrel-aged cocktails? Are you a fan in any sense? Um, of course, we're talking about brown spirits, predominantly something that's you know on the heaviest spectrum. Does that have a place in your mind? Um, the fact that I don't have an immediate reaction lets me know I haven't thought about it enough. Okay. But I will tell you that I've I've un. I don't think the finesse and the nuance that a barrel-aged cocktail gives to a guest is appreciated at 1 a.m. Got it. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, like, like, you know, that, that's that's tricky because, look, I don't disagree with barrel-aging. I do think it affects a cocktail. I think it changes a lot of things. But at the same time, you probably already had dinner and you're at a bar, and I'm going to get this barrel-aged Negroni and barrel-aged old-fashioned, right? Cool. All right, awesome. Do you really taste the difference? Can you really identify the nuance? Is it really that important? Like, you know what I mean? Because I guarantee you, you're going to have this cocktail and somebody's going to come around and you're going to take a shot. Your palate is obliterated at that point. Now you're just out drinking and having a good time, which is totally cool. And I've done that a million thousand times, right? But if you're talking about like, I'm going to preserve the fragility of this cocktail because the uh, vanillin oils that have been imbued into the whiskey have slowly seeped themselves into the texture like don't get out of here you know what i mean so i, I think i think you know i do think there's a place i think it's before dinner uh i do think there is value in that practice i think it needs to be in a moment where you're actually enjoying the cocktail itself not post not during because those 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 nuances are so finite have you denoted any changes in sort of the drinking populace, both demographically and just in terms of the action piece of it? I mean, since you've been in the scene, has, 
Has the guest behaviors changed? And if so, how? I just want to make sure I understand that clearly. Can you just yeah. please repeat it? I just want to be so clear. I'm, I'm kind of slyly asking you uh, if younger generations are drinking differently. Um, do they have different requests? Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, I just want to make sure we're talking about the same thing. Oh, yes. Um, but you um, well, you know, I asked. <laughs> well, hey, you know, demographics are always a puzzle to me. Um, the way people drink in different neighborhoods is a puzzle to me. Sure. I've attended bar in five neighborhoods in this city, and they drink differently in every neighborhood. Why? Why is that? I don't understand. You know what I mean? That's like trying to anticipate the amount of coverage that's coming through the night. Like, <laughs> like, dude, the book says fucking 285. You're going to get 375. How did that happen? I don't know. What was the weather like? What was the temperature like? Was there a game on? Was there a concert? Did something just get let out? The number of variables changes, right? So to be like, oh, we're only going to have 275 people tonight. It's like, don't do that. Like, stay ready. Stay prepared. Who knows? Right? So when it comes to the demographic, for me, it's the same thing. Uh, usually when I build a bar and I stock it, I have a very neutral standpoint, right? And the neutral standpoint is just to read them back. You know what I mean? And they're, you know, it's like, it's like the spirits to me are, are literally a mirror. You know what I mean? And I'm watching them watch it. You know what I mean? And basically I'm watching them like figure out who they think they are by the spirits they choose. You know what I mean? It was like that for me with music. So something that's interesting for me is that for a long time I would play music, right? Or rather I would like listen to music and I would choose music that reinforced my own idea of myself, right? Right. Ice T, OG, and I was listening to like Ghetto Boys, and I was listening to KRS One and Rakim, and I was listening to all these people. And oh, Willie Nelson, by the way, and Patsy Cline and Jim Croce, and you know, there's a whole balance. But what's happening now? Somebody asked me because because I do have a really deep relationship with music. Somebody was like, "What what do you what are you listening to now?" And I told them, rather, I shared with them that uh, what I listen to now doesn't help reinforce my sense of self. It allows my mind to be clear. So I like a lot of music that doesn't have their own opinions just so I can have space for my own thoughts, right? I'm choosing music to decorate my thoughts and accent my thoughts more so than I am to reinforce my thoughts, right? Cool. Yeah, so that's important. So when I look at the demographic of people trying to choose spirits, I'm like, are you listening? Are you listening to that bottle because that's who you think you're supposed to be, or, or is it you're enjoying it for what it is so you can be yourself? Very interesting. Wow. Pretty profound stuff. Um, you were in the. I'll tell you what. Whoever orders Johnny Walker Blue by the shot has a lot of cologne on. <laughs> I guarantee you. I guarantee you. That's a small one. Small one. That's a that's a tasty tidbit. They, they hung out with the DJ the night before. They have a lot of cologne on, and they're taking Johnny Walker blue shots. Yep, facts. Interesting. What was the strangest request you've ever received from a guest? Oh, uh, I, 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 I had a really good conversation with some, uh, some travelers, some foreigners who came to the bar at 1760, and we were just talking about whatever we were talking about. Probably about two weeks later in the mail, we got this really – they were from Hungary – I got this really strange fruit from Hungary, and then I got a co cocktail book, uh, and they were like, how do I use this? Um, and honestly, it was like a fruit I can't pronounce, and I don't remember how to pronounce it, to be honest with you. And I had to, I had to take that one fruit 
and extract and extrapolate and express what I needed to share with them a cocktail recipe that I thought was quality. And it, 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 it involved weird stuff and it was cool. And I started using like uh, their own housemate. Oh, because they sent me a little housemate schnapps. That's what it was. And, uh, and they were like, Hey, we we're tired of drinking these schnapps. And I'm like, I was like, all right, cool. Let's figure it out. So, um, Oh, yeah, so that that's that's pretty. I get all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah, you know, hey, you know what? You want to talk about a very taboo? You want to talk about a very taboo area of bartending? Oh, of course. It's gonna get weird. I'm in. All right. Husbands who offer their wives. That is real, and it happens, and it's true, and it's crazy weird. They're just like, oh, you're just having such a good time. They just be like. Hey, dude, we're going to go home. What time are you off? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm off, and then I'm going to go drink a beer with my friend. And they're like, because, you know, the door might be unlocked. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, thanks. No, I'm good, man. Thank you. You know what I mean? There is weird stuff that happens. That and, like, dude, there's a bartender's code that I'm on the borderline of breaking. But there, there, are, a lot of, there are a lot of strange stories that happen between uh in a sexual nature for a bartender this is very titillating stuff i will admit it is. Um, it's real. oh believe me it's real yeah see nobody talks about that shit yeah no and i just may ask if it happens like often or is it a huge outlier it's not as much of an outlier as one may think okay well that's that's super interesting. I guess you form such an intimate relationship. It's probably a testimony of how good you are. People really <laughs> care so much about to take you home. Just for the record, I've been like, no, thank you. Forever. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. Yes. No, thank you. No, I, you know, no judgment at all. I mean, you know, as long as it's safe and all that, but um, it's. Oh, but it really, but it really happens. So I just, you know, like a lot of people, like, it's kind of no secret that. People hit on bartenders, guys or girls. It doesn't matter. Like, mm -hmm. you're 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 present. You're available. You're quote unquote, as they probably presume, non-committal. You know what I mean? Which isn't my case particularly, but I know that that's probably true, and probably about forty percent of my community. But um, I mean, that's that's an area nobody wants to talk about. That's you know, we'll break some ground on that shit. I did not realize that, yes, that that is what's happening. Uh, and I'm not sure how, how to think about it, but it's utterly fascinating. It's real. It's 100% <laughs> real. It really happens. But, you know, I mean, I mean, whatever. I mean, does that not happen in bars in general? The be let, we can talk about the behavior in bars. That's oh, an interesting area. Yeah, the patrons, I mean, I see that. I just didn't realize, and I don't know why, it makes logical sense that they would reach out across the bar and invite you into their world. Yeah, they were on a bad date. The date left. They're still drinking. And they're like, you know what? I'm still not fulfilled. What are you doing? What's happening with you? I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go home and scramble some eggs and eat some spinach. What are you doing? <laughs> they're like, oh, really? I was thinking, oh, well, maybe like when I was a, like, you know, a 24-year-old bartender probably had some times. But uh, other than that, at this point now, it's like, dude, I do you understand what I have to do tomorrow for the next five days? I cannot be out until, no, we got to. I'm going home to drink water, make couscous, and eat vegetables. Wow. Talk about sensibility. That's, yeah, that's but it's real. Yeah. Well, 
well, now that we're on the subject of sex, technically, I have to, I have to ask, is there such a thing as a sexy cocktail? Like, what is that quality about? Yeah, that's great. Um, for me, uh, a sexy cocktail means a, a really velvety texture, a really balanced velvety texture. Yeah. So te texture is, um, yeah, yeah. Smoothness, silkiness, tex texture, it, texture. Yeah. I think that's where I'm going. It's such a natural segue to me into, you know, food and wine and all, all the things that play so well together. You've been around some fabulous food, some of the top restaurants um, in the country. So food and wine pairing is quite a common practice. And I think a lot of folks are familiar with that. But cocktails and food, not necessarily. It's seen more like bookends, right? Unfortunately, yeah. Everything. But I, I disagree. Like it's, it's a loss, right? It's a loss for us. So tell us about your perspective on it. Um, when it comes to food and cocktails, the main element, uh, that I would pay attention to is volatility, right? Mm -hmm. So you have salt definitely in your food. You have butter most likely in your food. You have acid yeah. most likely in your food. Yeah. Now you can do one of two things. You can try to trump that plate that uh, a very well-trained chef has most likely spent a lot of time figuring that out, yeah. or you can compliment it, right? If you compliment it, you're going to play a better role. If you try to trump it, you're eating two meals, right? So, you know, it's like, listen, if you go to a cocktail bar that doesn't have food, please, by all means, make your beet oatmeal cocktail. That'd be crazy good. Fine. But, right, but like, if you're at a restaurant, you just want to accent what already exists. So that's something that Murad and I, or rather that, um, how do I say that? Learning Murad's food uh, definitely was important for me to how to accent cocktails. You don't want them to compete. That's just too much. It's, it's overindulgent. It's a lot. Yeah. Right? So, so what you want to do is really just take on the, the, the mindset of complimenting. And believe me, like Murad is very generous with his food and flavors. So how do you remain present? How does somebody order a cocktail while they're enjoying, you know, the uh, confit bostia? Like, like, how are you going to do that? Like, all right, cool. So you need something to cut that richness. Like, you have to understand the food. If you, wanna, if you want your cocktails to complement the food, you have to understand the food first. Of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, I've always been a proponent of more of a European approach, I suppose, um, when there's an, such a thing as a aperitif. Not necessarily something heavy like a martini. Well, alcohol heavy, I should say. Right, right. Low ABV stuff. Exactly. Um, and then I love it to just eat, especially if you've had a multi-course meal. I mean, even if it's well executed, it's heavy. I mean, your system is overloaded. You want yeah, something, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, in Europe, in Italy specifically, we were talking about a second ago, Amaro is such a, you know, powerful digestive that's very commonplace. Sometimes it's grappa, but in there, high in alcohol. But honestly, I found myself sleeping better after having participated in that. Is there anything yeah. good? Is it, does it really work like that? Uh, uh, Amari, I can definitely say yes. Grappa, I'm still learning a lot okay. about. Um, not just the flavor profile. I'm learning about its results and its reactions uh, okay. to somebody's biology or chemistry. Mm -hmm. um, like, I personally am not able to enjoy grappa the way an old, grizzled Italian man may. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to figure that out. I'm trying to figure out why. I have this memory of going to the Boom Boom Room, John Lee Hooker's uh, blues bar um, on Fillmore and Geary. And I would go there on Sundays at 3 o'clock. Because if you go there on Sundays at 3 o'clock, 
everybody's coming out of their church and they're drinking a little bit and they're playing their Fender Rhodes and organ and they're playing guitars and they're doing things. One time I went there and this guy was playing the most amazing music and it was a Fender Rhodes, which is a really dope uh, keys. And he doesn't really sit next to me, he just stands next to me. I'm like probably 25, 26. And he orders a Remy Martin VSOP black bottle situation. And he orders that, and he just drinks it easily, and he goes back and he plays, like, the illest song. I was just like, wow, this is Jazz 100. And so the bartender's like, what do you want to drink next? Because I think I was drinking, like, a Gimlet or some, something. And I was like, well, I'll have that. And he's like, she was like, okay. And uh, I drank it, and it just burned my, it just burned. I was like, ah, what, what am I supposed to do with this? And then I translated that to how he was playing and then I translated that in my mind to his experience and for somebody to be that comfortable with that amount of burn you probably that's what is the key to his music right and that's what is the key to the soulfulness of the music he was playing um experience in short right so when it comes to grappa I haven't lived that countryside Italian life I don't understand how much lemon Nona put in it you know what I mean yeah um so I don't understand the need for that, but I do understand how Amari works, and I do understand how deep roots help um, aid digestion, mm -hmm. and I think that's very important. Um, Chinar is my favorite on a cube with orange twist. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, those are things. So, but this is very different between uh, an aperitivo and a digestivo. So aperitivo activates your appetite. Digestivo helps you digest. Absolutely. Which I'm, which I'm sure you know, I'm just saying. No, no, I mean, but I think, again, there's not enough conversation about it. Of course people drink, you know. Um, I, I try to make a whole section of my menu for aperitivos. And then, you know, interesting enough, uh, I have very limited realty behind my bar because I have a lot of ideas, but I only have so much bar shelf space. And I choose to put my Amari on my top shelf instead of like, all my fucking cool scotches and all my cool tequilas and whiskeys and all that stuff. Um, the top shelf is uh, allocated for uh, the variety of Amari that can be enjoyed uh, under different circumstances. Very cool. So do you think when you go back to Kifiko, your broth program would look the same or would it look different? Uh, that's interesting. All right. So two things about that is that uh, it'll probably look different because we're under different economic circumstances. Yeah. Right. So you got to pare down. Uh, the thing about uh, the restaurant, the rather the business part of a restaurant is about managing costs. Right. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. managing costs means managing how you spend. Yes. Indeed. Right. So I'm going to spend less and try to manage my costs, uh, pare down most likely um, until we start to see a healthy flow of uh, economic activity, most likely. Um, that's just being, I think that's just being a savvy business, uh, business person. It's very important. There's a intensely practical side to everything that we do and being mindful of that, I think is very important. Yeah. Don't get it twisted out of all the creative drinks and ideas and colorful stuff that has a cost. That has a cost. we got to pay for that. You know what I mean? So, so to manage those things are very important as well. Let's talk about your future post this particular phase of COVID, hopefully that, that's the last of it, but um, you have lived and continuously are living such multifaceted, curious life. 
when you cross-pollinate all these realms, music and writing and poetry and um, all the relational aspects of how you participate in everything that kind of comes across your world. Uh, from raw ingredients to, you know, new people you meet and such like that. You're just this kaleidoscope uh, in my eyes now. What does future look like to you? Um, what do you think will happen vis-a-vis -vis your career? Do you plan to make cocktails, you know, for the foreseeable future? Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I think when there's more than two people in the room, I'm going to make cocktails for anybody. But... <laughs> Um, the foreseeable future, hard to tell. That's a good opportunity to play jazz, man. Um, uh, you know, I, I do have a lot of irons in the fire right now. Um, but you know, that's just also making sure that, you know, uh, I don't eat progresso soup again, but you know, <laughs> what, what, I, what I'm paying attention to, if I'm keen enough, I can look, I can, I can become sensitive to what people need to feel like they're living a meaningful existence. And if I can translate that through the lens of hospitality, then hopefully I can create an experience or continue an experience such as Tinning Bar uh, for them. But I don't know what that is yet. Well, I'm confident that whether you're behind the bar or managing any establishment or are on the stage playing music or writing poetry or editing or getting together with you know people in the middle of the night and ghostwriting something i am very confident that you do everything to its fullest you examine every piece of it and you produce something at the end of the day that's full of integrity and full of love um it's openness as well i hope i hope so openness, is, I think that's your signature characteristic. You know, that's that's all my that's all my mom. Discussion. That's all my mom. That's not me. That's my mom. Well, you know, I know you. Unfortunately, your mom passed away, but she's certainly raised a spectacular human being, and you're channeling all the qualities that I think humanity needs now more than ever, and lots of it, um, and. As I've said in the conversation, we're lucky to have you. Uh, I'm really excited what the future brings and what other um, realms you will attempt or you know, where your talents will shine. Um, I'm sure that they will, whatever you choose for yourself. It's been fantastic having you with us. I hope we get to do this again soon. Oh, I was, I was very happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. This was a really fun time. I really appreciate how uh, much you welcome the idea of me becoming in depth with the minutia of all the things that really make a difference. And uh, to have a patient ear for that, I uh, very much, very much appreciate. It's my pleasure. Thanks again for tuning in to the official podcast of Palette Exposure featuring Alona Thompson. We'll see you again next week.